the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I guess I was about 15 or 16. Somebody invited me to this full gospel church. <laughs> And until that point, I'd only been to church very sparsely, and, and the church that I'd attended was a Catholic church, and they're more somber, I would say, as opposed to a full gospel church. They're more reverent, it's quiet in there, you know, they sing more different songs. <laughs> so the first time that I was invited, and, and reluctantly I went, I went to this church, and we sat, they sat me down on the front row. And you just have to imagine me as 15 or 16. I'm just this hood, you know. I'm from Whitehaven. I got long hair and bell bottoms and with holes in the knees and stuff. And they probably saw me coming in and said, ooh. They, they were probably ready to, to preach to me, you know. So I came in. They set me on the front row. And they started this music, probably about like our music today, loud and, and rambunctious and and I was like, I never heard nothing like this in church. And people's lifting their hands and actually singing and praising the Lord. And I was, it was all freaking me out. <laughs> okay? And so the guy preaches. He gets up here. He's animated. He's telling stories. He's, you know, really getting down on the Bible real hard. I'm like, I never heard nothing like this. And at the end of the service, they do this long altar call. And they keep eyeing me like, <laughs> you know. Like, we got a fish. Let's get him up here, you know. Well, I was too scared to move. I was sitting there, I've never been to nothing like this. Well, they couldn't get me to come up during the altar call, so the pastor finally says, young man, would you come up? He just got right to it. Would you come up here and let us pray for you? Okay, so I, I went up front. Two or three guys got their laid hands on me. You know, I never experienced nothing like that. Either. They laid hands on me, started praying. All of them praying at once, and there may have been some... Hyundai Shonday speaking in the spirits going on, and I'm, what in the world? I was not used to the full gospel experience. <laughs> so, they prayed for me, and when I left, I was changed. You know what was different about me? I'll tell you later. Got you that time, you didn't know, did you? 1 Corinthians 16, we'll finish that story. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Before we start there, let me say, if you've been missing Wednesday nights or you've never come to a Wednesday night, next level Wednesday night service, you need to come. We started a new series entitled Rooted this Wednesday, and it's going back to the basics, but it's in an all-new way, and it's going to change this church fundamentally from the bottom to the top. And so I want, I want you to go ahead and listen to the podcast from last Wednesday to get caught up on the first message, and then be here next Wednesday, because that's how uh, we're going to really take it to the next level, by being here on Wednesdays and Sundays. A lot of people hadn't gotten that mindset yet, but 
when I first got saved, when the doors was open, I was there. And I've grown because of that. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. Today, we got a lot of people on guard, all right. <laughs> they're standing firm in their position, whatever it may be. They're thinking they're courageous and strong. But where's the beef? Where's the love? Right? Since faith worketh by love, you got to ask, just because you're standing firm, does that mean you're standing firm in the faith? Today's message, if you're following along on your bulletins, want to fill out the little sheet. And the first blank there, today's message is entitled, Standing Ironically, I sit down as I say that. <laughs> Standing firm in the faith. <clears throat> Whew. How many just feel dirty walking around outside these days? Watching the TV or your, your device, whatever it may, whatever screen you've been looking at. Just knowing all the evil that's going on in this nation. We're supposed to be the United States of America. But we are starting to look more like the divided states of America. Everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's got a, a beef. <laughs> it ain't the beef I'm talking about, right? And I tell you what, it's getting harder and harder to let your light shine. And many of us are getting drugged down into the melee with all this craziness going on. And uh, with seeing what happened in Las Vegas this week and all that, it just hurts your heart. It's hard not to, be, to get bitter, to get depressed. We're supposed to be the United States of America. How does God see America? Who does God see as the us in the U.S.? Does he see white people as the us? Does God see black people as the us? Does God see brown people or yellow people? Does God see just the rich people? That's the us in America? Or, the, or is he just only sees the poor people? Does he see Republicans? Or does he see Democrats? How does he see people? I tell you, God sees two types of people, and it's found people and it's lost people. And you know how he sees the lost people? That's potential to be found. Can you be quiet, sir? He sees the lost people as having potential to be found. Their potential to turn this world and their world upside down. See, everybody has potential. God sees two types of people. People that are found and, and know his love and are walking in it, and people that he wants to be found and know his love and are walking in it. Matthew 10, 34, though, says, Jesus said, don't imagine I came to bring, bring peace on the earth, but a sword. Well, how do, we, how do we understand that? So who's the enemy if it's not the people? Turn to Ephesians 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 tells us who the enemy is. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Isn't that today's message title? Standing firm in the faith. So put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the enemy, which is the devil. We're not each other's enemy. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Say that, not fighting against flesh and blood. They're not our enemies. Not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Stop and think about that before we go any further. Go ahead and settle that. If you hadn't been listening to this point, wake up. We're not fighting against people. If you've made any people group your enemy, stop it. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you may be able to resist the enemy in this time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. How many wants to stand firm in the faith? Well, Christians got to know who the enemy is. There's a battle. I'm going to talk about peace and love and joy and all those things today. But you know me. I'm a fighter. I'm, I'm like, let's get in there and let's get this job done. Let's take it to the enemy. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of who we're fighting. Or even that we are fighting. So, hey, wake up. we got to fight against the right enemy. We hate sin, but not the sinner. The enemy is what the devil is, is doing in the lives of people. It's the enemy in my life. I don't want sin in my life. I'm fighting it for myself. But I'm also fighting it on a bigger level as the church. God's a good doctor. He's trying to root out the cancer without killing the patient in the process. Right? What good does it do to kill the patient? But the devil, he's hurting everybody towards the broad path today. If you can't feel it, then you're probably living in a different planet. It's a broad path of hate. He says, separate. Get in your little cliques. He says, separate. Don't tolerate. Don't moderate. Don't cooperate. Don't collaborate. Accommodate or facilitate. Just berate, agitate, and aggravate. Hate, hate, and hate. All the time. 24 hours. Find somebody to be mad at. Get bitter. Get angry. Look. We can't be ignorant of the devil's devices, the Bible says. He's always been playing that game. We can't be his puppet. We can't fall into the trap and become part of the problem here in America when we're supposed to be the solution. Bitterness robs us of the very weapon God gave us to hold back these forces of darkness. 
When we allow bitterness, when we become like everybody else, man, I'm just going, that makes me mad. Because you're being prodded on every side. And look, let's be honest. Some of us grew up, probably all of us grew up with, with prejudices and people telling us that we're supposed to think like this and we're supposed to be like this. But I'm telling you, we're living in a new kingdom if you belong to Jesus. God gave us a weapon. It's called L-O-V-E. It's the most powerful weapon in the world. That's how we fight. We fight with the truth, but spoke in love. We have powerful weapons. Russia. Y'all have heard about them getting involved in our elections and all that stuff going on. They recently found out that one of the things Russia was doing was they was posting racially charged messages on social media. Why would they do that, Pastor? What good would that do? <laughs> because they know that a nation divided against itself cannot stand. And what's every enemy going to try to do? Divide and conquer. You want to know what Russia's doing? They dividing and trying to conquer. A guy named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, with a name like this, you know this is going to be good. <laughs> he said, divide and rule, the politician cries. But unite and lead is the watchword of the wise. The dark forces are trying to divide and rule while God's forces are trying to unite and lead. Turn to James 1.19. James says, understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. So y'all listening fast enough? I need to slow down. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I need to say that again. Be quick to listen. Because you ain't learning nothing when you're doing all the talking. L quick to listen, slow to be so opinionated. You've got to throw out everything you know all the time. And slow to get angry. If you'll do those first two, you'll probably be slower to get angry. He says human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You getting mad, throwing a temper tantrum... Is not the righteousness God desires. He can't use that. That's counterproductive. So you yelling at people is going to do what? Drive them further from God. If you can learn to be calm, slow, listen, not so much talking, do a little reasoning from a, a, a platform of self-control maybe, 
then maybe there could be a dialogue and maybe communication could bring this nation back together again. Not everybody needling everybody else with their little points, their talking points. <clears throat> Just an idea. Because I think these, as you can tell, I'm worked up today. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff, man, it, it makes me angry. I just said, don't get angry. I'm fed up, you know, I'm about to give up. No. But some of you feel that way. You know what I'm talking about. We're all dealing with it. Everybody's got their spin, you know. And I just want to look at the TV sometime and say, ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Ain't you tired and all that? And I want to ask myself, every time I get my phone out and look at it for something, or, or get on the TV, I, I want to ask myself, ain't you tired of letting that drag you down? Ain't there something better you can do for entertainment? <laughs> How many's tired of the darkness? I know you're feeling it. See, what we're, we're allowing the devil to let us view life through his tainted lens. He wants us to see everything through his lens. And he ain't nothing but a liar. If you got aught in your heart against any brother, any sister, any group of people, no matter who they may be, if you've got a, a hatred in your heart, it says, he who hateth his brother is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You say you're a Christian and you hate your brother. You, got to be, you, got to, you can't let that hatred get in your heart. You need to deal with that hatred. See, God's road is different. The devil's road is broad, but God's road is tight. But God's road is right. And that's the one we got to walk down. On God's highway, we learn to disagree with people without having to be disagreeable. To have a different perspective without having to demonize somebody for their po point of view. Just because they believe different don't mean their culture may be a little different. So what? God is like, he made more flavors than Baskin Robbins. Deal with it. <laughs> Some of you have only ate one flavor your whole life. Try something new. You might enjoy a little different in your life. Learn to be respectful of people just because of their personhood. What do I mean? Because God was willing to send His Son to die for that person. Because they're made in God's image. And we're all made in God's image. You want to know how silly and our nation is becoming. It's like we're a bunch of third graders again. Really. We have become a bunch of third graders. I tried to think of a, an issue, and nobody stoned the messenger, but I tried to think of an issue that Christians could disagree about and neither one of them per se be sinning, okay? There's a difference between sinning and... But I thought about gun control. And I thought, nobody, everybody just looked straight ahead. Nobody raised their hand. Nobody stand up. <laughs> no, don't even smirk, you know. 
All right. But if I were to ask people that believe that the government has no business touching our guns or anything like that, y'all ought to go sit on this side, and y'all all got up and went over there, and everybody that thinks uh, legitimately says, you know, people are getting murdered and, and some of these things, at least we could have some kind of gun control. We could do, take some common sense steps. Or some of you just may say, you know what? Guns kill people and I'm against guns. And you're just against guns. And you all came and sat on that side. Now, I wouldn't say either side is sinning because of that belief. But now if we have divided this Holy Ghost loving, warm, fun, loving family that was just hugging and kissing on each other and shouting hallelujah together a while ago, now we've put you on two sides and gave you both a, a talking point. How many would be sitting over there, I knew I didn't like them anyway. <laughs> Look how they dress. I didn't even notice that before. <laughs> I knew they was lily-livered. You know, Think about it. How quick, when we hear somebody's point of view that's different than ours, all of a sudden we want to jump to not liking that person. What's wrong with somebody else having a different point of view? Are you so insecure that your opinion has to be the only one? You know, the only one that really matters? So if, if it isn't in direct conflict with what God says, let's let each other have a different flavor. It's what makes the world go round. What makes God use more than one color when he created the earth. You know? Jesus, when he, uh, he came across the rich young ruler... The man came up to him asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him a few of the commandments. He said, I kept all that. Jesus in his mind, if it was me, I'd be thinking, boy, you lying. You know, you ain't kept all those commandments. You're going to sit up here and lie to the truth. And he's probably thinking, this guy's rich. And he, he cares about money more than he does me. When I ask him to come follow, he's not going to follow me. He's not on my team. He could be looking at him as an enemy. Jesus could have been sitting there and said, I ain't got time for you, boy. I know you ain't following me no how. But the Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Though he didn't agree with Jesus. He wasn't like Jesus. He wasn't going to follow Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus often used the rift that was going on between the Samaritans and the Jews. You know, that was like a racial divide of the day. And they hated each other. Boy, they called each other all kind of bad names. But he often used that in his parables, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan, the hated Samaritan, helped the Jew. He was always trying to paint a picture of how anybody can be your neighbor. Everybody should be your neighbor. Love is what determines who is your neighbor? And love takes no record of the wrongs done to it. It's long-suffering, patient. We could go to 1 Corinthians 13 and just talk about the rest of the day. All the things, the way that love sees people. God is love. And that's where we're trying to get to, to see people differently. In high school, you know, like I said, I was, I was a hoodlum. I'm sorry, I was. I had my mullet, you know, and my... My bell bottoms and torn, raggedy tennis shoes. You know, I, I took pride in dressing down. <laughs> you know, we were, I don't know what our mindset, why it was like this, but we, if we made good grades, 
we would make fun of one another. You made an A? <laughs> you know, most reasonable people say, you made an F? You're stupid. No, it's like, I made an F, dude, look. <laughs> yeah, I made two Fs. I didn't even show up for the class. I mean, we were trying to see who could outdo each other. My grandmama, and, and my grandmama bought me one of those fancy shirts with the collar on it, you know? Had a little alligator on the front. I tore that alligator off and wore it to school with a big old hole in my chest to show my disdain for people that would dare spend $20 on a shirt. We called them preps. She, she knows. We called them preps, man. Them people that tried to dress right and stuff. Well, I got on the baseball team, and there was one guy, guy on there named Mark. I ended up being friends with him. And he kind of, he would dress like us sometimes, but he would dress nice sometimes. He played baseball, so I thought he was pretty cool, but he also played golf. And I was like, golf? That's a sissy sport. Like right there was soccer, you know. We didn't like golf or soccer for some reason. We had just randomly picked things we didn't like. <laughs> anyway, he got me playing golf. You know what? I'm still playing golf today. Over time, he started working on, I began to see you could get more girls if you actually dressed a little nicer, brushed your teeth, and cut your mullet every now and then. <laughs> hey, being a prep ain't so bad. So I was, you know, I was, I was expanding my horizons. Turn to Matthew 5. I think you would find if you would just relax... The things that you've been taught and the things you think you know, that don't mean they're right. <laughs> Let God have his way in you. Some of you never ate broccoli in your whole life. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> I don't like the texture, you know, whatever it is. You don't know what you're missing. Put a little cheese on that burger and go, boy. <laughs> Matthew 5.43. I'm going to read you a few scriptures here because that's what we do in church. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. God, come on now, are you serious? Say that, love your enemy. Now, he's not just talking about people that are different from you now. You ain't supposed to be hating on them in the first place. He's talking about the ones that are out to get you. So he's taking it to an all-new level. He says, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. You want to be like God? Praying for your enemies will help you. If you'll pray, if you'll make a point, make a list. Say, these are the people that really twerk my nerves. These are people I, 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 I struggle with. Write their names down. I want you to start praying for them. That's what I should have put on the pastor's challenge this week. Pray for those people that twerk your nerves. You know what it'll do? It'll force you to keep your heart soft. And, and, if, and when you pray and you get in God's presence about somebody, he'll begin to give you his feelings toward that person. And even if they're wrong, and even if they're the worst sinner in the whole wide world and all that stuff, and you just really started out wanting God to heap 
coals of burning fire on their head, you know, when you start. That's why I'm praying. No. But <laughs> even if you do that with the wrong intention, I believe before it's over, God will at least give you a little bit of empathy for the person you're praying for. Even if you never will agree with them about anything, at least what empathy is is the ability to see something from somebody else's point of view. If you can do that, you have taken a huge step forward in your maturity as a Christian. Stop for a minute. Walk a mile in their shoes, at least in your mind, and say, what are they going through? What made them like this? I mean, you can even look at, <clears throat> you can even be praying for ISIS. These worst enemies of all times, you know, you, I don't want to pray for these. I'm going to pray anyway because God said to. Before you know it, you're saying, God, I, I know they grew up with all this hateful stuff being sh shoved down their throats and they're told that America's the devil and all this and they think they're doing you a favor. You can begin to have sympathy. You can begin to pray that they get saved and God turns their heart. It's hard to do. Nobody said this Christian stuff was easy. Matthew 5, 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace, though. Blessed are the peacemakers, it says in the King James, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In John 3.17, it says God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through the, that the world through Him might be saved. See, that's our focus as Christians. Getting people saved. Get them to turn. How do, how do we approach them in a way that opens up their heart to get them to turn so that they may be saved? That should be our focus. Not condemning. If anybody had a right to condemn anybody, it's God. He's the only perfect one. Who do we think we are condemning someone else when we got this big old log sticking out of our own eye? Am I preaching real good yet? It's not that you don't judge the way they behave, the sin, and, and you can't make judgments about things. When God said, judge, lest you, judge not lest you be judged, he was talking about just don't go ahead and condemn them to hell. Judge the sin in their life, but find a way to get in and to make an impact. Because Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn it. Ephesians 5, 15 says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Sound like today, don't it? Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You did sign up for His Lordship, right? When you said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord, you said you would follow Him. You would do the things that He asked. These are the things that He asked. Nobody said it would be easy. He said Himself, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Then He tells us to be shrewd as snakes, but at the same time be harmless as doves. How am I supposed to do that? Not in your own strength. It ain't easy being a Christian. It's the narrow road. But you signed up for it. You were blood-bought. You're not your own. 
You're supposed to do what he says do. You're his ambassadors. And your first allegiance must be to God. I know we say the Pledge of Allegiance in America, and I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I especially love the place where it says, One Nation Under God. And I, my allegiance is to America, above all other nations. But my first allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews 13, 12 says, So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by the means of his own blood. What does that mean? It means when he was crucified, they took him outside the city. They didn't crucify that trash inside the holy city of Jerusalem. They took him outside the city. What does that mean for us? That this world, if you're not of this world, they're not going to love you. They're going to consider you trash. They don't want you to be a part of what they're doing. They're going to try to crucify you outside the city walls. He says, so let us go out with him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. It ain't easy being a Christian. But it goes on. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. You want to be the best citizen the United States ever had? You'd be the best citizen of he that heaven ever had. And America won't know what happened. Our best days could still be ahead. Now in any of this preaching so far, have I said that we should abide evil, overlook it, don't speak out about it, not protect your family, just cower down and say three Hail Marys? <laughs> like I said, I'm a fighter. I believe, man, don't mess with my family. I will protect them. I will stand up for what I believe. I will do what is right. I, am, I want to have fierce integrity. For the ways of God and those things. But what I am talking about is the spirit in which you do these things. You can, do, you can speak the truth, yes, but do it in love. These signs that people hold out there, God hates this and God hates that. You're going to hell. Not God's way. Most matters when somebody wrongs you or something, God gave us civil authorities. God gave us a military. That's, that's why God gave us police officers and all these things to protect us from the wicked people. If we would just show a little love to those who are wrong in us or whatever, we might change an evildoer. You're certainly not going to change them by arguing with them and trying to shout over them. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, but he didn't come to destroy the people. He tells a parable about the wheat and the weeds. It's really called the wheat and the tares, but Angie said, I don't know what a tare is. So I said, I'll, I'll, use, I'll change the word. But there's a farmer goes out and he sows good seed in the field, wheat. 
couple of, you know, after it springs up, some of his workers come in and say, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Why is there weeds among the wheat? He said, an enemy has done this. They said, well, you want us to go out and pluck up them weeds? He said, no. If you pluck up them weeds, you'll probably pull up the wheat with it. Let's let them grow together. And in the end, we'll take those weeds and we'll bundle them up and we'll cast them into the fire. But we'll take that wheat and we'll put it in my barn. You see, God will do the final judgment on the end. in the end. God will do the judging. Until then, we should try to be persuading some weeds to become some wheat. Well, you say, well, that can't happen. All things are possible to God. It was a miracle when you got born again, wasn't it? Look at you now. You never thought nothing like that could happen. You're a brand new creation. Something that never existed before. God can turn weeds into wheat. God will judge in the end. Who knows, man? Some of those weeds out there today inciting and violence and, and all the things that they're doing that's just really twerking your nerves. I say twerking. It's supposed to be twerking, ain't it? All those things that they're doing. <laughs> they might be the peacemakers of tomorrow. They might be the pastors. <laughs> if you'd have saw me in my hoodlum days. So there I was in the full gospel church. I'd been loved on well. Looking back, those people really treated me good. They tried to reach out to me. They did everything they knew. Probably the same thing we would do here. Was that when I opened my horizons and my eyes and said, oh, there's, you know, maybe I should change or be open to, to God and His people? No. No, I didn't. You know what I did? I went out and started telling everybody, them people, crazy! I used every cliche. I told my mama, I said, they, they was shouting in there. One lady got so excited, she fell out of the balcony, you know. <laughs> it didn't happen. I lied. <laughs> I said, they was pulling out snakes and all this stuff, man. And none of that happened. All they did was love on me. And here, all these years later, I'm the pastor of the full gospel church. <laughs> How did that happen? You know, <laughs> People grow. People change. Don't give up on these teenagers. Look at them. I mean, it's easy to do. No. <laughs> Not our teenagers. I'm, I'm just meaning in general, you know. But we got great teenagers. But Romans 12, 18. says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. All that's within you, try to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. What? If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. They'll say, why, why are they treating me right? I've never, nobody's ever treated me right before. Why are they being nice to me when I'm being mean to them? It just doesn't make sense. It defies all human logic. Love 
takes it to the next level and it causes them to say, why would they be doing this? He goes on to say, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Light overcomes darkness, not more darkness. There was a guy I heard about who had deep hatred in his heart, grew up a certain way, was taught a certain way, and had tattooed one of those German swastikas on his forearm for his hatred for certain groups of people and so forth. And he was dead set. He had his mind made. But he went into this program, this Christian program, and they loved on him. They taught him the Word of God. and He got saved and the love of God came into his heart. Before he left that program, he had covered up that swastika with a cross. And I don't know what your swastika is out here today, but I'm telling you, cover it with the blood of Jesus. Cover it with the cross. Let the love of God. I want my only talking points to come from the Bible, not from some cable news show. I don't want to go out spouting what CNN or Fox News has to say. I want to go out saying what the Bible has to say. Because the, the rest of that stuff brings darkness and filth into my life. And I want to escape from it. I want to walk in the light. I want to be different. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those, who, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grow up and trouble you and corrupting many don't get bitter if you find yourself getting bitter if you find yourself beginning to hate i mean even the shooter in las, las vegas it would just be easy to just well he deserves it we all deserve it don't allow hatred and bitterness to get into your heart and before you get to lunch today, the serpent's going to talk to you and he's going to say, did God really say to love your enemies? Yeah. He did. To pray for them? Yep. To feed them if they're hungry? Yep. To lend them money without expecting them to pay you in return? Ouch, God. <laughs> to do good to them that spitefully use you? What? Yeah, he said that stuff. Forgive them over and over again. Yep. <laughs> what kind of person would do this? A Christian. Bless those that persecute you. Yep. Did, did, did God really say just to trust in his spiritual armor? Yes. That and Smith and Wesson, you know. Oh, are you laughing? I know what side of the room y'all was on, huh? No, not Smith and Wesson. Trust in his spiritual armor. <laughs> Did God really say to look deeper than the color of one's skin? Onto the content of their character, and even if the content of their character isn't good, to love them anyway? Did God really say that? Yes, He did. Absolutely. Did He mean all this stuff? Does God waste His breath? No. 
He meant everything he said, and God's counting on you to be the one standing firm in the faith when he gets back. Do that right here. You can do it. You can root out all bitterness, all hatred, all prejudice, all the stuff that's happened in your life and your past. Things that you... Look. Where you, where you first hated, go back to that day and find out where you believed a lie. Because that's what it is. Every time you get off the path, you believe the lie of Satan and you took a, a detour that God didn't intend for you to take. He meant you to stay straight. Go back and find out what lie you believed and squelch it. Put it under your feet. And say, no, no, no more, devil. I am not going to walk in darkness. I am going to be standing firm in the faith when you come back, Jesus. We can do this. As tough as it is in this world, this climate of division, you are the answer for America. Not one of them's talking points will save America. Only Jesus and the love of God can turn hearts and save America and keep us one nation united under God. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.